We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fabulous friend. I'm so honored to be hanging out with you for a little while here today on Journey to Center. You know, I love for my shows to be uplifting and bring people into their hearts, but life is not always easy. And inevitably, there's going to be challenges along the way. My greatest intention with our conscious conversations is to support and inform and empower you as my friend and fellow seeker and soul sibling. Today, we're going to talk about a tough subject, the subject of cancer. It's a rare person who doesn't know someone that hasn't received a cancer diagnosis or lost someone to this insidious disease. Cancer is actually considered an epidemic with 40% of our population dealing with it. And I found it astonishing when I found out one out of every two men will develop cancer in America. My stepfather died of prostate cancer when I was 16, and it was heartbreaking, confusing, and a very scary time. Since then, I've lost many friends to cancer, and it's always a heart-wrenching diagnosis with a tumultuous journey to follow. Today, I have a guest and expert who's not only navigated this terrain with her husband, but also supports others as a grief expert, psychologist, and the author of a beautiful book called Sweet Sorrow, Finding Enduring Wholeness After Loss and Grief. We are here with Sherry Cormier. She is a psychologist, consultant, and public speaker. She was formerly on the faculty at the University of Tennessee and West Virginia University. She is the author of Counseling Strategies and Interventions for Professional Helpers and the co-author of Interviewing and Change Strategies for Helpers. She has co-written and produced more than 50 training videos for Cengage Learning. So, Sherry, thank you for saying yes to yet another show with us here on Empower Radio. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad to be talking. Well, I'm not really glad to be talking about cancer. I think it's really important to be talking yes. about cancer. I completely agree with you. So um, you have navigated this. You help other people navigate through this. And mm-hmm. um, I know your book was really written for people um, going through loss of a lot of different kinds, but I know you also have a special interest in cancer because of your personal journey. So yeah. I'd, I'd just like to start there with um, your thoughts about um, this particular disease and why this is something you feel is really important to have a conversation about. Okay. Well, I, I think, you know, you really led us into the path so beautifully in, in your introduction. You know, cancer is uh, so prevalent now. You've mentioned it. I can mention it. We, we know, we all know somebody in our family or in our inner circle that's been impacted by cancer. And in my case, um, although I have a lot of friends now with cancer, my beloved husband was diagnosed and died from stage four cancer, was gone in six months. So I got a really up, up, up front, personal, firsthand look at what cancer is, what it does to the body, what it does to the emotional psyche of the person as well as the physical body, mm-hmm. things about cancer treatments. I've been really interested in, you know, how do we support somebody as a yes. caregiver because I was a caregiver to him 
who has cancer, and then what are we doing? You know, what are some of the things that we are doing that is cre- that are you know that creates this ec- epidemic of cancer? Such good questions, all really important questions. I hope we can get to all of them. So you mentioned something in your book called Cancer's Dirty Little Secret. Why would you say cancer is such a harrowing and difficult disease for caretakers, caregivers to witness? Right. And, you know, it's so funny. Well, the reason that I say that is, and I say it's funny, but I don't mean funny, ha-ha. I mean funny like coincidental, synchronistic. Um. Cancer really is, I think, a disease of the entire body. Yes, there's a, when you have cancer, you have a tumor, but the effects that that tumor creates on the person are not just physical effects. And when you think about it, that the person who's gotten cancer has gotten a devastating diagnosis. So they're, they're not only not feeling well physically, they're also having to cope with what does this mean for them in their future? You know, are they going to die from this? Um, if they're not going to die, are they going to have to live with this? And people who do live with it live with periodic scans and, you know, always the worry about whether it's going to come back. So the reason that I say that in the book is that cancer has a wide range of effects on the person who has it and on their loved ones. And many of these effects are psychological. They're emotional. They're not just physical. So I like to think of cancer as uh, an illness that, in, that impacts not only the person's body, but also the person's mind and the person's spirit. It's, it's like a mind-body-spirit illness. Mm-hmm. And it's in some ways, I think, you know, the word that comes to my mind, and I've talked with so many other people with cancer and so many family members, the word that comes to our mind is the word contamination. Mm-hmm. That cancer feels to many of us like it's sort of contaminated, it's infected, Um the patient and it's infected their loved ones with this sort of dirty little secret that is, you know, might be bad moods, it might be sarcasm, it might be behaviors that that you or emotions that as the caregiver you haven't felt before, but you also have not experienced them from your loved one who has cancer. Mm-hmm. So it feels as though there's this sort of contamination or infections process going on that that be, maybe begins with a person with cancer and then extends to the inner circle of people caring for the person. And that, I think, is so important because really for healing from cancer, we need to heal our minds and our emotions as well as our physical body. Yes. And we can't really separate the mind from the body in terms of really getting to a a place of healing and a place of of health. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and we are holistic beings. We're physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual beings. And I think it's vital to really care for ourselves in all of these ways, all of these ways. Um, so, Sherry, I really want to get to this question, though. Um, you write about this in your book, and I really would love for you to expand on it. You say there's no good way to die, but there are ways to make the process of dying easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'd really love to know more from you what that looks like. What does that mean? What is that? Right. There is no good way to die, but there is there are ways to make the process easier. And I just, it's funny, I actually just wrote an article on whether a good death is possible, but just Mm -hmm. sort of expanding what I had had in the book. Well, I mean, you know, the first thing is most of us, I guess, are somewhat in denial about death. And so when Jay was diagnosed, my husband Jay was diagnosed with cancer, he read a great book about um, uh, death and dying by Ernest Becker called the the denial of death. Mm-hmm. And there's another wonderful book I would recommend by Av, uh, Avi Yalom, Irv Yalom, called Staring at the Sun, Overcoming the Terror of Death. And I think that um, the, the issue for me, Tammy, is three months before my husband died, my father died. And my father lived out of state in this retirement community, and I got a call from my sister, I was actually away at a conference, and she said, I think you better come out here. Um, the doctor is going to call hospice in, and the doctor's given Daddy about a, mu- a week to live. So I flew out there, and I was just, I don't know what the word was. I was astounded, I guess, at the condition of my father. Now, my father was much older than my husband. He was 90. He'd had some dementia, but he was uh, still at home, and hospice had been in a, a week before that to put him in a hospital bed, but they had not been back. And my father was writhing in pain. And I just, and, and of course, I'm watching this knowing that back home I have this husband with stage four cancer that probably is not going to live forever. And I'm just saying to myself, oh, my God, I can't, I can't go through this with my husband. So when it got time three months later, when the oncologist said to me, your husband has a month to live, one of the things that we did that was very different was we called in palliative care, which is really physicians and and social workers and nursing staff who are really equipped to talk about end-of-life issues with patients and their families. And we had lots of discussions, we meaning Jay and myself and the palliative care team and our daughters came in and, um, you know, we looked at all the options and he could have had a little bit more aggressive chemotherapy that might have given him another two months to live, but it might have robbed him of some quality of life. And so, right. yeah, So, but we had, the point is, we had those discussions. That's so important, I think. Now, I'm amazed at people that are in denial, their loved ones are dying, and they 
simply refuse to have conversations about it. And I think when we don't have conversations, we deprive ourselves of things that of things that we may need after the person does die. We may need to look back on those conversations for our own bereavement healing. And we also deprive the person who's dying of being able to say what's in their heart that mm-hmm. they may need to, you know, to say be- so that they can die with peace. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, use palliative care. Um, hospice is also great. We used, ended up using inpatient hospice rather than home hospice. I think with home hospice, my mother wasn't assertive enough, and she needed to have called them and didn't because she just didn't want to bother them. So, you know, you have to sort of stay on top of home hospice, and if you feel like you need them there, you need to make the call and say, I need someone to come out and provide support to me or my loved one. So I would say don't be hesitant to ask for what you need, have discussions with a palliative care team, and be sure to have talks with your loved one. In other words, put things on the table. And, you know, it's funny, Tammy, because people will say to me when I, when I argue about this or I argue for this, they'll say, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense, but I just don't want to put that on the table. I don't want to really say to my um, partner or spouse or uh, grandparent or loved one, you know you've, you've been given a couple months to live or there are conversations. What, what could I say or do that would be helpful? What would be great for us to talk about? What, what would, how would you like to spend the last your last, you know, couple months. And mm-hmm. they'll say, I really don't want to put that conversation on the table because I'm afraid that will somehow hasten the person's death. And I understand that concern. I, I've heard that concern a lot in training students and mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be therapists. And we say, you know, if you're working with a client, and that client, you know, one of the things we have to do is ask clients if they have ever thought about taking their own life. And trainees are so nervous about that. They're like, well, I can't possibly ask anyone that because that's going to put the idea in their head. But, you know, of course it doesn't. They, someone's thinking about killing themselves. They want to be able to talk about it. So... Take cues from the person who's dying. If you offer them an opportunity to talk and they shut it down and they say, oh, I'm not ready to have that conversation yet, that's fine. You know, you don't have to push it. But at least you've given them, you've let them know that you are able to handle it. Because I think a lot of times we don't have these conversations because we're uncomfortable Sure. We're just so uncomfortable with the whole idea that this person is dying. We don't want to deal with it. So it yeah. really doesn't have much to do with them. It has to do with our own discomfort. 
Oh, for sure. So that yeah, and I, I think that's such great advice. I mean, be willing to have those really authentic, heartfelt conversations. And it can take courage. Mm-hmm. It can be scary. I, I say all the time, I want to swim in the deep end of the pool. You know, it's like it's not fun to stay in that shallow end of the pool. And that is the really the deepest kinds of conversations you could possibly have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important. That's really, really good stuff, Sherry. So now I, I have a question for you. Your book is called sweet sorrow. And I'm curious from your perspective, how can sorrow be considered that something that is sweet? (laughs) That's such a great question. Well, I have to credit my yoga teacher here for helping me with this answer. Actually, a couple weeks ago in yoga class, I mean, I will say this, the title came to me in a dream. I woke Mm. up one night and it was like, you're supposed to call your book sweet sorrow. But a couple weeks ago in my yoga class, my yoga teacher was mentioning my book to the class, which was very kind of her, and she said, I love the title because she said, to me, sweet sorrow represents the yin and the yang, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I thought, wow, I wish I had thought of that, but I, I was glad that she had thought of that. It's almost like it's it's the dark and the light coming together. You know, the old and the new, the past and the current, or past and the present, and the dark night, and then giving way to the light. So, you know, initially, of course, when we lose someone who's very beloved to us, aren't we so identified with the sorrow? The sorrow is the part that we really identify with initially. And over time, and I can really speak to this because it's now been a decade after my beloved husband died and also then my my parent, dad, and mother and sister. But over time, that sorrow shifts and you become, you become there's more space in your life for the sweetness of what you had with that person, the love that you have with that person, there's more sweetness for that to really emerge. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I would say in my own situation, and I love saying this to people, that I think it's so important, and I think this helps the sweetness to, to emerge, it's so important to realize that death of a loved one it's not a disappearance, it's a transition. Mm-hmm. It's a transition. I say that all the time, Sherry. I don't like the word dead because it sounds so final, and I think we're shifting frequencies, and it's very natural. That's <laughs> all I think we're doing. I think the only thing that we do when we die is we're shedding. It's as if, and I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who's an end-of-life, was an end-of-life expert, may have said mm-hmm. this. She said, when you die, it's as if you are taking off your clothes that you just don't need anymore. Mm. So it's as if we're sort of shedding uh, an old suit of clothes, and then we're, we're really making, we're really shifting to a higher vibration, or we're moving to a new and more expand, expanded state of consciousness. Right. So... I think that's that's really important, but I think we get so caught up in the idea of death is just 
so final. You yes. know, it's final, and, and that's scary. That is scary. And, you know, there's a beautiful, oh, my gosh, I came across this beautiful quote just last week from the poet John O'Donohue, and he said, the dead are not distant or absent. Because when we lose someone to death, we lose their physical image and presence. But just because we cannot see them does not mean they are there. And O'Donohue goes on to write, their compassion, understanding, and love takes on a divine depth, enabling them to become secret angels, Mm -hmm. guiding and sheltering the unfolding of our destiny. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, my beloved husband, Jay, is certainly an angel around me, and I think we all have angels and spirit guides from people who have transitioned, and they are always they are always in us, and they are always around us. And so, yes, maybe our relationship to who we've lost changes a bit, but it's not as though we don't have a relationship anymore with them. It's a shift in the kind of relationship, but it's not a cutoff. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel there's such hope in that. Yeah, that's, that's such a beautiful truth that you're sharing. And I think it's wonderful to hear that because as we are in the process of maybe dealing with um, disease or cancer or, or that transitioning while they're still on this side of the veil, it can be hard to remember that truth with a capital T. So I appreciate you sharing that. And it gives me great comfort when I consider the people that I have loved immensely that have, that have transitioned. Just hearing your words and that quote is um, very heartwarming, very soothing, energetically well, soothing. Well, and you know, I was, Tammy, I was so lucky because about two weeks after my beloved Jay transitioned, I started getting powerful visitation dreams from him. Yes, yes. And four months after he transitioned, I had this dream where he actually was in the bed with me, and I said to him, honey, what's it like to die? (laughs) And he said, just wait. It's genius. I know it sounds crazy, but I do look forward to it. I don't want to rush into it because I think there's a lot that I still want to do while I'm still here, but I think it's going home and I think it's going to be an exquisite adventure. And when I talk to some people about that, they they think I'm on crack or something, but <laughs> I think it's going to be a, an amazing adventure. So well, I look forward know, to remembering. Car- <laughs> I do too. And there's a cardiologist named Van Lommel who's written a book called Consciousness Beyond Life. And he studied all of these patients who technically died but came back to life. And they all say the same thing. They all say that they, they, you know, they had this tremendous adventure where they went to this place and that, that was loving and light-filled and it felt like home. And that's where they traveled to before they came back and then, you know, woke up on the operating table in the, in the hospital Mm, to a T, everyone reports that. Yes. So I think it's, yes, I think it's a mystery. I think that 
Jay's right. Just wait. It's genius. <laughs> I think it's an adventurous mystery. And I believe that it it is something that we can look forward to rather than something we have to dread. I agree. I agree. So, Sherry, we just have a couple of minutes. Please tell people um, about your website and how they can grab a copy of your book, Sweet Sorrow. Thank you, Tammy. My website is www.sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R, author, A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And my book you can find easily with a computer click at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, also bookstores, libraries. I also have a Facebook page if you wish to connect with me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. So there's many ways. I like to be accessible to listeners. There's many ways that, I love you, that can about you connect. <laughs> I love that because to me, the most important thing in the whole world, and you've talked about this, Sherry, is connection. It is relationship. It's relatedness. And that's why I do this show, to be able to connect with you, my listeners. And I would love to hear from you. Please be in touch with me through my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tammy B. PhD, or my website, T-A-M-M-I-B-P-H-D.com. Um, yeah, my, my greatest joy in the world is connecting with others of like mind and like heart with the intention of expanding in the knowingness that we are incredible, blessed, exquisite spiritual beings having this kind of strange, sometimes interesting, sometimes painful human experience. So, Sherry, thank you so much for saying yes to another show with us here on Empower Radio. And thank you to my listeners. You are such an important part of my reality. And just know that you're my heart, my meditation, my prayers. God bless you. Take good, gentle care of yourself. Onward and upward. Bye for now.